1: Hey there, I'm Olivia Allen Price, and I want to welcome you to episode 3 in the Bay Curious Prop Fest series. If you're just tuning in, we are partway through our journey into the 7 propositions on the California ballot this fall. Last week, we explored props 1, 26, and 27 about abortion rights and sports betting. If you missed those, be sure to go give them a listen in the Bay Curious podcast feed. Today, we're back with our friends at The Bay to understand Proposition 28, all about education funding. Ready to hit the books? Here's how it will read on your ballot.
0: Prop 28 provides additional funding from
2: State General Fund for arts and music education in all K-12 public
3: schools, including charter schools.
1: Today we'll dive in and discuss. Should we spend roughly a billion dollars annually on arts education? That's all just ahead on PropFest. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there. I'm Randh abdel from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today.
0: You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
1: KQED's Julia McAvoy has been covering education at KQED for years. She spoke with the Bay's Erica Cruz
0: Guevara about Proposition 28.
3: How does arts education work in in California right now.
0: The state education code requires schools to offer courses of study in four arts disciplines to all California K through 12 students. But it just really isn't happening across the board. There's been some improvement, there's been some more money, but it really hasn't changed a whole lot. Mainly elementary schools and schools serving high numbers of children from low-income families. They have less access to art instruction. They even have trouble getting access to instruction at all. And they're less likely to have dedicated rooms with specialized equipment for the arts.
2: I do think about that, and that's something I'm really, really passionate about.
0: I think this is what Angelie Montanza sees. She's this student I met at Richmond High School in the East Bay, and she's in the advanced orchestra class there.
2: Like over the years, I've noticed like communities like mine, Richmond High, where it's predominantly brown kids. We don't get the same opportunity as in like Hercules, which is you know uh, predominantly Asian kids and white kids.
0: You know, when she sees kids from the Hercules High Orchestra going to Disneyland, you know, at a cost of like 20 grand. And her music instructor, Mr. Wilkie, says he gets just uh, 1400 a year total for supplies. And that's like uniforms and instruments for 140 kids. And so Anjali sees this and she she feels it's unfair.
3: So that's interesting. Arts education is required in California, but it doesn't sound like it's necessarily guaranteed and especially not equally. How did the pandemic affect arts education?
0: There's this organization called the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts, which serves um, kids from the Richmond area. And they offer free arts for kids in Richmond, and they're, they partner with schools to help fill the gaps, you know, in arts education, because the schools can't afford a full-time arts teacher. So they'll do an after-school program, and they'll contract with this organization and say, please send in some arts, din- arts instructors, and we'll give our kids some art. And there's a woman there named Andrea Lundine, and she's the director of programs. And she says this past year, she had so many principals calling from throughout the district. Saying
3: that... My students have been sitting in front of a screen for a year and a half. They need to sing. They need to move. They need to express themselves. And
0: I think that's been sort of the universal, like, cry that you have seen and maybe even helped prompt this proposition.
3: Can you tell me the backstory behind this prop? Why is it on the ballot in the first place? So Austin
0: Butner is the former superintendent of L.A. Unified, and he is the person who put forth this measure.
3: Art is not the sprinkles that one puts on top of an ice cream sundae. Art's an essential part of good education.
0: And he says basically that as an education leader of the state's largest district, L.A. Unified, he saw firsthand the value of arts education.
3: As superintendent, when I visit schools, I would invariably ask, what can I do to help? Always... On the top three was more arts and music.
0: You know, I think most people think of arts education just as music classes. And I think what Butner's is trying to say is that when the arts are done well, it's much more than that. It's culture. The art can affect kids' well-being. Kids can see themselves reflected in music, theater, dance. And those kids' families see and feel this when they come to witness the performances in schools. And they also become inspired and can see themselves validated. So it can be a powerful sort of... Instrument for the community to come together. Butner makes the point that arts and music education improves cognitive development.
3: Uh, we know from the research, uh, students who participate in arts and music and have a proper arts and music education uh, will do better in school. Uh, they'll do better in math. They'll do better in reading. So like
0: all of these things he feels like really matter right now especially coming out of the pandemic and he declares that you know California's behind when it comes to providing schools with funding for arts and music education. And then he kind of makes this other point that, like, it's really ironic in California, which is like the capital of the world's creative economy, right, supporting 2.6 million jobs in the state. And yet we only have one in five public schools in California that has a dedicated teacher for traditional arts programs, you know, like music and dance and theater and art, or let alone computer graphics and animation coding and costume design and filmmaking. Buechner wanted to do something about this. He wanted to change this picture, and it led him to put forth this measure, Prop 28.
3: Well, let's talk about what Prop 28 does exactly. How would this proposition provide support for arts education where we haven't so far? It's pretty big. I mean, Proposition 28 would roughly double
0: the amount of funding California gives schools for arts and music education. 30% of that money would go to schools that serve students from low-income communities. Voters would also be locking in that funding stream for the future, since Proposition 28 requires that the annual amount be equal to, at minimum, 1% of the amount allocated for public education. It's not going to raise taxes. This comes out of the general fund, and what that means is these are the funds that are raised primarily through income, sales, corporate, and capital gains taxes. And that's combined with local property tax revenues. And so that's where this funding for this measure would come out of, that general fund. The Legislative Analyst's Office estimated this could raise about between $800 million and $1 billion for the arts. On the other hand, we're now already having more money going to schools than ever before. In June this year, California passed, passed a state budget that increases the base funding for local control funding formula, and that's the mechanism through which most of the state's public schools are funded. And it increased by $9 billion, or 13%. This was the largest single-year increase to the formula since its inception in 2013. So the truth is, schools do already have a lot more money than they've had in years past, right? And they're trying to figure out how to spend that money right now to improve students' well-being and academic outcomes. And you could argue, well, they can use this money on the arts, right? The central tenet of this proposition is like, when budgets do contract, that's when the arts always get cut. They're saying, we're going to guarantee this amount every year so if there's a recession and schools have to cut they won't have to necessarily cut the arts first this money will be there this measure says no matter what there will be a guaranteed money for full-time arts teachers in public schools and I, that's a real commitment it's a new commitment
2: i specifically started teaching in the art in the juvenile justice system
0: i interviewed a woman named Jazz Monique hudson and i met her in castro valley high school right as kids were coming back into school and she was teaching spoken word poetry there. And it was really this empowering, liberating, creative expression for students who were processing the trauma of the pandemic. It was it was really impressive. And when I caught up with her last week, she said, oh, I don't teach spoken word anymore. And I'm like, what? Why? And she goes, well, I just wasn't getting enough work. Like the Oakland Public Schools canceled the Youth Speaks. Um, Youth Speaks is very prominent in San Francisco, However, they have not been
2: able to maintain and sustain their partnerships with Oakland schools due to funding. Um, I was set to teach at uh, Elmhurst Middle School this semester, but could not teach in the teaching art program because there wasn't enough funding for the spoken word program.
0: And she just like felt like it was too uncertain and she couldn't do it anymore.
2: I'm no longer um, doing direct service with young people and it's partially because of the pay.
0: And she's really excited about Prop 28. She thinks like this is so needed and I have a feeling that if this came through and she could be hired as a full-time arts teacher she would and a lot of kids would benefit from a woman like that in their classroom.
2: And keeping the funding and bringing more funding, increased funding to public schools, I believe, you know, you will see a decrease in truancy, a decrease in expulsion, a decrease in um, depression.
3: Well, Julia, I want to move into who is for and against this prop. Um, Apart from the former L.A. superintendent, who supports this proposition? What groups? Well,
0: the California Teachers Association. And, um, you know, again, we're talking about doubling the number of full-time arts teachers. So that certainly helps their ranks. We also have the former Secretary of Education under uh, President Obama. His, this man's name is Arnie Duncan, and he's, uh, he wrote the op-ed with Austin Butner supporting this. He's definitely one of the supporters. And then there's a lot of Hollywood celebs like Dr. Dre and Christina Aguilera, Common, and for us oldsters, Bonnie
3: Raitt, you know, people like that. I feel like I have a pretty good sense, Julia, of the rationale behind Prop 28. Is there any organized opposition around Prop 28? No, there is not.
0: But there have been a couple of op-ed pieces in a couple newspapers that have said, this is not a good idea. This is called ballot box. Budgeting locks legislators in. And the budget is flush right now. Sure. But there's a concern that if and when the economy contracts, the state will be locked into, right? this funding for the arts and schools, and that could end up forcing cuts in other programs. and it, they say it ties the hands of legislators, essentially, uh, the folks we elect to make these decisions for us.
3: but nothing official. So how much money has been poured into the campaign for this prop, and also against, do we know? Well, so far,
0: nine point eight million has come in in support of the measure, and four point two million of that is from Butner, um, another million like from Fender musical Instruments, and another million from the California Teachers Association. And at this point, nothing has been spent against it.
3: Well, if that is the case, what do we know, Julia, about how likely this is to pass in California?
0: I don't know how voters are going to feel when they get in here and read this. It's such a feel-good measure, right? You'd think like, oh yeah, more money for arts, why not? But, you know, I think there's probably some people who might associate it with tax increases, maybe, wrongly. It's not a tax increase to pay for this, but they may feel that and they may say, Um, I'm not sure about that. We haven't seen very much polling around it yet. Um, I anticipate that we'll see that pretty soon and maybe we'll have a better idea then.
3: Well, Julia, thank you so much for breaking this down. I appreciate it. So fun to do this with you, Erica. In a nutshell, a vote yes on Prop 28 means that the state will guarantee additional funding for arts education in K-12 through public schools. A vote no means funding for arts and education will continue to depend on whether the state and local districts want to spend that money.
1: That was The Bay's Erica Cruz-Guevara and Julia McAvoy, a senior editor at KQED who covers education. That's it for PropFest today. If you've been enjoying the series, please share it with a friend. You'll find everything you need at baycurious.org propfest. This series is made by the team behind The Bay, Alan Montecilio, Erica Cruz-Guevara, and Maria Esquinka and us here at Bay Curious, Katrina Schwartz, Amanda Font, Brendan Willard, and me, Olivia Allen-Price. Darren, too, is our social video intern. Thanks also to Robin Epley from the Sacramento Bee, who did that interview you heard with former L.A. Superintendent Austin Butner. We're coming at you again tomorrow with our episode on Proposition 29, the dialysis prop. I'll see you then.
0: Okay, our question for the month is the world's longest running pillow fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck.
2: Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member